All right, 326 here on the Blitz 1170, streaming live on the Blitz 1170 app. My name is Jeremy Poplin. That is Scott File. And yes, we made an announcement earlier today here at Griffin Media that we'll get to here in just one second regarding the Oklahoma City Thunder. Colby Daniels is alongside as well. We want to hear from you on the Neuropathy Treatment Clinic of Oklahoma text line 918-262-502. That's 918-262-5072, where if you have signed up to be a part of our text line service you got this sent directly to your phone earlier today but griffin media and the oklahoma city thunder have teamed up to form an alliance an alliance of friday night basketball which will feature the oklahoma city thunder yes one of the best teams in the nba is coming to a local affiliate near you all across the state of Oklahoma. So Oklahoma-owned Griffin Media announced Thunder Friday nights as a partnership with the Oklahoma City Thunder for the remaining eight Friday regular season games for free over the air with the use of an HD antenna as well as on cable and satellite providers. So what this means is, is that the Thunder have eight Friday night games left All of those games will air on Griffin Stations, KSBI Channel 52 in Oklahoma City, or News on 6 Now Channel, Scott, is it 6.3 or 6.3? Which one are we saying? 6.3, same thing. Well, I know some radio station people that will get mighty, mighty offended if you dare refer to anything as point this or you even threw in the point. Like, you're no longer allowed to say 92.9 anymore. Now it's 92.9 the river. So you've got to be very careful about whether we're saying dot, point, or nothing at all. But 6.3, according to Scott File, right here in Tulsa. Games will also be carried on the Cox stations, Channel 7 in Oklahoma City and Channel 53 here in Tulsa, and other cable outlets, including DirecTV and Dish in Oklahoma City. That is Channel 52. The first of the eight broadcasts will be on Friday, January 26th, when the Thunder plays at New Orleans. Included in this list of games are some juicy matchups with uh, the Miami Heats, the Phoenix Suns, and Kevin Durant, what, the 10 or 11 seed out west, on March 29th, the Indiana Pacers and also the Milwaukee Bucks on April the 12th. Uh, so a good announcement uh, made today by Griffin Media that they have partnered up with the Thunder. This is all possible because of the mess that is Bally Sports or Diamond Sports Properties, whatever it is. No muss, no fuss. All you need to do is just tune in right there to one of the locally owned stations. Okay. Do we need to do a pregame show for that? Uh, they have a 5.30 pregame. This is basically the Thunder broadcast. No, I know. I know. That, that's on there. But, I mean, sure, why not? Could you imagine us just crashing the set? Like, yeah, Like sitting do down it. right there in front of them and be like, uh, Michael Cage is trying to make a point. Like, excuse me, Michael. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, have you heard of Arctic El Nino? It's a service that my man Colby Daniels and I will provide to you for <laughs> inclement weather. We will deliver bread, toilet paper, and milk. The Thunder are <laughs> 2 of 40 from downtown tonight. You could say they are Arctic El Nino. <laughs> they are cold as hell. It's Arctic El Nino. Uh, okay, we'll spend some more time on that coming up a little bit later. Uh, but first, reactions from last night in which we watched a game that was eh, entertaining at times. I thought that it was another kind of sloppy game and had dry moments, but still yet moments of being completely entertained. Not quite what I expected from a matchup that I thought was going to be better 
Uh, both teams had warts last night. Only Washington's warts were more significant. And that's not to say that Michigan didn't cause those warts to be glaring last night for Washington. But we have ourselves a non-cheating national champion, and that would be them there, Michigan Wolverines, out of the Big Ten. Your thoughts from last night's extravaganza in which we laid to rest college football for 2023. Well, they're innocent, as Jim Harbaugh told us in his postgame presser. They're innocent, and that's why they were so confident throughout this process. So they had nothing to worry about because they're innocent. They didn't cheat. Uh, But, no, the game, I think, in some ways was very much what I thought it was going to be. I mean, I thought that Michigan was going to be able to run the football at will, and I thought the only way Washington would be able to stop the run would be to load the box and force Michigan to beat them with the passing game. And that was one of my big question marks yesterday was if Washington does do that, I mean, where does Michigan go next? Because they're they're not the most efficient passing team on the planet. And, and for every one pass that J.J. McCarthy makes that kind of has that wow factor to it, there are six just absolute duds on gimme throws that he <laughs> yes. misses, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I thought that was uh, – I thought it was very interesting that Washington waited as long as they did to really force Michigan's hand and, and force them to to start putting the ball in the air a little bit more often. But I think from that regard, it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. I also thought the Michigan defensive front was going to be problematic. I didn't think they were going to get to Penix as much as they got to Milrow, but I thought they were going to generate pressure. And even with that, I don't know that I, I thought it was going to be uh, as significant as it was last night. I mean, I, I think from almost the beginning of the game, right, they 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 kind of rattled Penix, rattled the cage. Uh, he was feeling the pressure throughout the game, and, and the Washington offense never really got rolling. They did not at all. And that was one of the areas that I think was most surprising was just from the interior aspect Joe Moore Moore Award winners, and it doesn't mean that they weren't worthy of the Joe Moore Award or anything else like that, did have their issues last night with the Michigan defensive line. And I I still walked away from that game, and I even sent you a text last night. I I feel like through the majority of that game, uh, except for the final, what, five minutes of the game and maybe the opening quarter, like that game was still there for Washington's picking if – if they could get a few things lined out. But they had a night, and some of it is is due to the type of coverage that Michigan was playing and forcing Pinnock into, uh, into the type of throws that he was. But there were still several moments last night where, coverage be damned, he was just off. Now, some of that was because they were getting pressure on him and laying some shots on him that he hadn't felt the entire season so far. But he was off last night and picked the wrong night to be just a smidge off from what his performance was against Texas. Now, that's unfair because his performance against Texas was otherworldly. But I, I don't want to come in here and say, oh, that was just because Penix had a bad game. No, Michigan forced him to play that way in the majority of those situations last night. Well, sometimes you have to work your way into a rhythm, right? And whether it was Penix just being off or Michigan never allowing him to get comfortable enough to to be confident in throwing the football and to step into throws and, and just go through your normal mechanics and, and normal headspace. I mean, from the get go, I think he was feeling the pressure. And, and to that point, I mean, he never got comfortable in the game 
And maybe that's why, like the Odunze layup that was given, right? Oh. Odunze just basically walks past Will Johnson, and it's a guaranteed touchdown if Penix puts that ball just, I mean, even remotely on the right side of Odunze, he catches it and walks into the end zone. And, and Penix put it on the wrong side, and, and Odunze had to completely turn his body around, uh, go opposite his momentum, and, and try and get the football, and it was an incomplete pass on a fourth down mind you, which gave Michigan great field position, but you can't play a team like Michigan where you are giving up something in the line of scrimmage battle and miss on the layups, right? Like, you're already at a disadvantage, and over the course of 60 minutes, it's it's a very rare thing that the team that doesn't win the line of scrimmage wins, wins the game, right? So if that's going to be possible, you can't make mistakes like that. You, when you have the opportunity to, to uh, I think, take advantage of a Michigan mistake, you have to do it. And, and they didn't capitalize in those moments. And, and there, were, there were actually several moments. That was one where he actually threw the ball to a wide-open receiver and just missed the pass. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought the broadcast did a good job of pointing out a couple different plays where there were wide-open Washington receivers and Pennix just never saw them. There were a couple other plays that the broadcast didn't point it out where you can see a Washington pass catcher uh, looking like if, if if he goes that direction, you know, maybe it's a big play or a touchdown. And again, I think that's the pressure, right? Penix wasn't seeing the field well because he was feeling the pressure. He was probably a little bit rushed because he was feeling the pressure. And then when he did see the right play, his throws weren't on target because the, the that's what pressure does to you. And, you know, the biggest, I think, criticism of Penix not only throughout this season, but but you'll hear it this entire offseason getting ready for the draft is how good is he when you force him off his spot, right? He's great in a clean pocket where he can just sit back there and throw dimes, but when you rush him and you get him off his spot, uh, the accuracy goes way down with him, and, and Michigan was able to pull that off last night. There was a part of last night where I think you – you needed to have Washington be able to force Michigan into making a few mistakes. A team, by the way, that does not make a whole lot of mistakes at all. So Michigan had five turnovers the entire season. Five. Four of the five Michigan turnovers were caused by Bowling Green, a game in which they won 31-6. to six. <laughs> Which is, that that's insane. That's wild. That, that's one of the... You want to talk about just dumb stats? That's one of the dumbest stats of the entire season. Here's the other thing, too. Joe, Michigan had a total of 45 penalties all year. 45. That's it. That's it. Whoa, I didn't know that. They do not do anything to hurt themselves and put themselves in bad spots. And Washington needed a few of those to go their way last night and when it was started to go the other way, in which they were the ones that were making the catastrophic mistakes, that you you were already digging yourself a hole, playing right into the hands against a a physical team, the way that Michigan is, uh, with the amount of success that they were having and running the football last night. Now, the first quarter went a long way to that 303 total yards and also that total average on it, because I I thought once they got halfway through the second quarter and the third quarter, I thought Washington's defense adjusted quite well to the Michigan attack. I mean, there were points and times where it it kept ringing back in my head a question that I remember asking Dusty from a few months ago was, hey, in 2024, does Michigan have enough of offense that's in their bag 
to be able to do this consistently. You know, there's a lot of what they did against Alabama that felt like, all right, I don't know how much left that they would actually have in the bag to be able to to do this, you know, two games in a row. And Washington was a team that was going to put pressure on them to have to feel like to, to score a certain amount. And it never ended up going that way. It could have last night, but, man, Washington needed some help, and Michigan just was not cooperating uh, with the mistake element last night. Yeah, if the Michigan defense doesn't play as well as it did and Washington's able to put points on the board a little bit more frequently, you wonder what happens with the Michigan offense. But they were, as we talked about yesterday, they're they're totally okay with riding out a, a three-point lead or a seven-point lead. They don't feel the urgency to just score for the sake of scoring every time they touch the football, right? They play a very complimentary brand of football. They know that their defense is is the strength of the team. And if they have a lead, they are more than likely going to try and play possession football and, and keep putting their defense in, in the most positive situations uh, that you can, you can create. And you, you never put them in a situation where J.J. McCarthy had to make game-winning plays, right? And, and look, there, there were a couple throws last night that were, that were terrific from him. But there were also a lot of, of head-scratchers. And, and plays where you can clearly see the coaching staff doesn't even want to put him in a situation to make a mistake or to miss a, a receiver down the field. So, Yeah, I, they don't I, have to. I, my biggest disappointment with that game, and we talked about it yesterday because I think you even asked me the question about Washington stopping the run, and, and I said I, I just don't think that they have any chance of doing that without just loading the box, right, and selling out to stop the run. And it's unfortunate that I, it, it – kind of took them as long as it did to make that adjustment and stop Michigan from from just going up and down the field the way they did on those first couple possessions and if you do that earlier I mean and if and you make J.J. McCarthy have to you know before they have a lead make plays in a game where they're not winning I mean what does that game look like I there's a chance it looks completely different and I I, I was disappointed from Washington's perspective that it took until, you know, I guess Michigan had scored 17 points for crying out loud before they they really made it a point to say, we're taking away the run. And you can still try to run, but if you're going to beat us at some point, J.J. McCarthy is going to have to pull the trigger. All right, so the question needs to be asked at some point, and I'm not here to put labels on anyone at all. I'm not here to throw the, you know, J.J. McCarthy, greatest quarterback in Michigan history. Settle down, settle down just a tad bit there. Because I think slapping labels on something less than 24 hours after any element is kind of stupid. Uh, And we do that too quickly in the sports world as all. But I will ask the question and phrase it in a different way, which is just off the top of your head, think back to a team that has had nothing but distractions the entire year. That's all that Michigan has had is distractions you at least have to be willing to acknowledge that whether you agree with anything that happened or not, the the football players themselves, with everything that encompassed this season, to be able to push all the noise away, to focus in on what the task at hand was, and go through and knock off when it's all said and done, what, is it four top ten teams is what they ended up running through on the regular season now? 
and at times a laughable portion of the schedule, which we were all like, have they really played anyone? Well, at the end of the year, when they had to go through their gauntlet that included Ohio State and then running through the playoffs the way that they did, I mean, this is a well-earned championship. But this is at least one of the, um, I don't want to call it most impressive, let's just say it's really damn impressive that they were able to come together with this ultimate goal after what happened to them in the playoffs last year with all the moving parts, with the suspensions, with all the noise that wasn't brought on by anything that they did. It was all around the coaching staff, and to blank all of that out and still go out there and perform and win, man, that's pretty damn impressive. It is impressive. I also think you could frame it for a team that has the had the expectations that Michigan had this year, which uh, you know, the, by for a lot of people they were the preseason pick. I know yeah. I, I picked them to win the, the title preseason. Dusty picked them to win the title preseason. I mean, there were a lot of people that that thought Michigan was the team to beat this year. But no one believed in them if you ask Michigan players. Well, th- that's what I was about to say. For a team that has that level of expectations, sometimes it's it's easier to deal with you know people coming off those expectations and starting to doubt you and talk about all of the distractions. Sometimes that's the Baker Mayfield type thing, right? Like it is. Some t- depending on your your mental makeup, and I, I kind of feel like Jim Harbaugh is is kind of cut out of the same cloth as Baker in that regard. He thrives on that. Where he wants anybody to give him anything extra, right? To use his motivation. And most of the time, teams reflect the personality of their coach. So with this Michigan team, you, you would think reflecting the personality of Jim Harbaugh, that sort of stuff, and, and Harbaugh, I think, referenced this on Media Day last week. Like He was like, it's almost unfair that we have this advantage where everybody's talking about the distractions and, and doubting us and, you know, like, and to a point, like, I guess, again, it depends on your makeup because that could bury some people. And maybe they get too overwhelmed with the distractions and aren't able to focus. And then some teams use that as the fuel to to get over the mountaintop. But I, I think for this Michigan team especially, I think it was just a lot of added fuel. I also was uh, thinking back to moments several years ago in which the rallying cry across college football was, Jim Harbaugh is a fraud and Jim Harbaugh can't coach. Jim Harbaugh doesn't know what he's doing. Get out of here. Look, Jim Harbaugh may be goofier than a pet possum, <laughs> and he is, based off of all his responses. Has he ever answered a question directly? I'm not sure that he has. I don't think he's ever answered a question directly that's been asked to him, like a specific answer to that exact question. He goes off on these random Harbaugh-esque rants and topics that just start floating through his head. Um. But that dude can flat out coach, and a lot of his players love him and still love him to this day. Every now and then there's one, and I think that's everyone, right? Can't like everyone, and not everyone always gets along. But for the most part, that dude proved to everyone that he can flat out get it. And I did chuckle at one thing that he said last night was, finally I can now sit at the big boy table because – my brothers won a Super Bowl. My dad's won a championship, and now I've won a championship. But yeah, he had some really good quotes last night, and maybe we can go over a couple of those later. But you have to give him credit, I think, for evaluating the situation that he was in at Michigan and ultimately 
calling audibles, right, on on just the way that he was doing everything. Because I, I, I will admittedly say I was in the crowd of people uh, that were were critiquing the job that Jim Harbaugh had done at Michigan after, what, six years where they had no conference titles, they were 0-6 against Ohio State, and it just didn't seem like he had any idea what his team was. And to his credit, they finally, I think, did, made a lot of changes in the coaching staff, right? And and I think he, he finally uh, figured out or, or came up with a plan and altered what they were doing, and, you know, they finally got traction. But, you know, those first six years, the the offense was stuck in, in the in the 50s, oh, it was. right? But they didn't it, have it, the type of defense they have now. No, they didn't. And, then, and, and you got to remember, too, like what Michigan football had turned into. Oh, when yeah, Jim the Rich Harbaugh got there, a joke. And then you're jumping right in into when Herb – has got it rocking at Ohio State. Uh, you know, what, we had already been witness to what was happening at, at Alabama and the, the emergence of Clemson and so many other teams. And you're right. It wasn't instantaneous where they're, they're competing right away for playoff spots or even championships at that point. Um, and it was probably a slower build than what some people wanted, but you know, to the point we were talking about yesterday, which is even if he didn't win last night, I still think that he accomplished the majority of things that he set out to do as head coach of Michigan. It just maybe took them a few more years yeah. longer than what most people thought. Well, if they don't get to the point of him losing six straight to Ohio State and not winning any Big Ten titles and not making any CFP appearances, maybe he you know, never never makes the, the right changes to get them to this point, right? But mm-hmm. but it was so bad, and there were there were so many people that were critical, and I think rightfully so at that point in time, that he did make changes. He did he did bring in new coordinators. They they got rid of Josh Gaddis, right? Who was one of the uh, they went completely away from what Josh Gaddis was doing, and I think what, he was like the assistant of the year, wasn't he? I believe so. Like three or four years ago, and they found a way to to play complementary football, which they weren't in the previous years. So. You got to give him credit for identifying where they were falling short, and and making the right moves to correct that course. But up to that point, I mean, I think a lot of the critiques were were spot on. Like they weren't playing complimentary football, and they didn't seem like they had a good grasp of what they were trying to accomplish. And again, he he ultimately, I think, evaluated where they were going wrong and and was able to correct it. As a matter of fact. There is a story here, and we'd have to go back and do the math on it, but this is from January 10th, 2019. Okay, so what year is that for Harbaugh? Would have been uh, four so, or five? Yeah, so Harbaugh became Michigan's head coach in 2015. Okay, so this would have been after year four. After year four, the hiring of Josh Gaddis to be Alabama's offensive coordinator or from Alabama to become the offensive coordinator was just another name. He became the 19th person to coach under Harbaugh in Ann Arbor after just four years. So the staff turnover, even through the first yeah. four years is remarkable. It was crazy. And, and again, I, I think one of the criticisms was they, they have no idea what their identity is and what they're trying to accomplish. Hmm. 2015, by the way, Jed Fish on that staff, along with uh, DJ Jerk, DJ Durkin, 
and um, they had one holdover from the Brady Hoke staff. So incredible, absolutely incredible. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Pep Hamilton being on that staff as well for a period of time. <laughs> Good old Pep Hamilton. All right, we'll take a time out. we got much more coming up from the national championship game last night in which the Michigan Wolverines are your national champs. We've got Super Wildcard Weekend coming up this week. We've got OSU basketball at 6 o'clock right here on the Blitz 1170 with John Holcomb coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. And we want to hear from you on the Neuropathy Treatment Clinic of Oklahoma text line 918-262-502 here on the Blitz 1170 and streaming live on the Blitz 1170 app.